Hello, my loves, and welcome to the Purposeful Lifestyle Development Podcast, where we discuss all things thought work and manifestation, but we use neuroscience and the study of the brain to do so. I'm your host, Tessa Spizak. I'm a board-certified practitioner, master life and health coach, and seasoned executive speaker. If you're ready to create your highest value lifestyle and turn your dream life into a reality, you're in the right place. Let's get right into today's episode. Hey guys, and welcome to our very first episode. This has been such a long time coming, and I am just so excited that it's finally here. I wanted to make my first episode a bit of an overview as to why I started this podcast, what my intentions are, and since we'll be getting into some pretty tricky concepts about the brain, we do need to go through the basics first. So let's dive in. I titled this first episode, How Your Brain Sees Your Life, because after years of coaching one-on-one and in large group settings, there's really one thing that it all boils down to when someone has set a big goal or they're really trying to make massive change in their life. And that is what is going on in their head. When I say that, I do mean more than just conscious or unconscious thought processes or the way we talk to ourselves, but that's definitely where we need to start. And even though I say that, I am definitely not discounting how important it is to be in tune with your own thoughts and how you handle or process emotion. It's crucial to evaluate your own headspace, right? Figure out which thoughts serve us and which ones really need to change. That's a battle in and of itself, and coaching of some form to break it down with someone is a really good tool and a way to do so. Say, as you know, life happens. Maybe it's somewhere you fall off the wagon, or there's something new that you want to address or change to make your life feel better. Having an understanding of your thoughts and your emotional autonomy make that so much easier because, man, we all know that we are our own biggest critic. Essentially, a lot of times we can punish ourselves before we even give ourselves the chance to make it right. That in and of itself, of course, causes a lot of personal discomfort, and it can and usually does lead to that dreaded inner monologue, kind of beating yourself up over it. And this is where the spiral can begin. I mean that both figuratively and literally, as in, in a way you can see on a brain scan, but we'll get into that in just a second. Imagine you have someone or you are someone with healthy nutrition goals, and maybe you've been yo-yo dieting for something like 10 or 20 years. Sometimes people spend the whole time really downing themselves, and that begins to sabotage any future results before they've even started. So imagine this with me. Say someone has been telling themselves every day for years and years that they just can't do it, or they aren't good enough or smart enough, or their genes are wrong. Maybe they just believe that they are lazy and unmotivated, whatever the case. This does more damage to the brain and the way it processes thought moving forward than we seem to realize or at least talk about. So that's exactly what I'm here to do. Now I need to preface this really quickly. I do not say any of this as someone who does not fall victim to it, right? This is definitely not an everybody else problem that Tessa has never had to deal with. Oh, contraire. 
as nice as that may be for me, that definitely wouldn't make me a very good coach, would it? If I had never had to work on something for myself or improve myself in some way and get through all the blockages and the thought processes, then I really wouldn't be able to help anyone else. I would just tell them not to think like that anymore and think they were a bit strange. And that is clearly not the case. The reason that I became able to so quickly pick up on what's going on with people, what they need to do to change and really help themselves is because it's exactly what I had put in so many hours working on myself. I absolutely have had to do my fair share of personal development over the years. And to be quite honest, that added an extra layer for me. Another piece that I needed to break down and work on, because as someone who knew all the science and knew all the studies, could give you every tip or trick you could give on how to do the thing or hit the goal, the more complex my coaching became and the more I really grew a large base of folks I was working with, I was so much harder on myself that I would falter from my idea of perfection or just frankly fell short of my own expectations. It was really hard to admit to myself at the time, but I really started to almost question my own abilities as a coach. I would start to have the thoughts of, man, these people are coming to me with these really complex issues and trusting me to help them through it, yet I can't hit this little goal or whatever the case may be. Even though I specifically coached against this way of thinking, I admittedly really got to a place that I would be very difficult with myself for not getting it just right, not getting the day perfect every single time, because I was the one that knew exactly what to do and how to do it, right? But I did recognize that I was aware of it and was actively coaching myself through it. Fast forward a bit, and one day I'm prepping for a session with a client. I was looking over my notes and truly, really excited for this coaching session. I really liked working with this person, potentially because I saw a lot of myself and what I had gone through in them. Since I had done so much self-coaching in the past on that same topic, I could very clearly see what their block was and was trying so carefully to guide them to it. And if you're a coach listening, you already know this, but if not, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. A lot of times, if you're working with a coach or a therapist of some kind, a lot of times we really know pretty early on what you need to do to fix the problem or how to get you to the solution that you want. However, if only it was that easy. I mean, I had even proven that point to myself earlier. I knew all the things that I wanted to do and what I needed to be able to do so, yet it still took a lot of time and effort to coach myself through those perfectionist style fantasies. That was quite literally my problem, is I knew exactly what to do. But real thought work is a lot deeper than that. So me just laying out a plan that says X, Y, Z, here's what you need to do, there's a really good chance that there can be a mental block in your head as if this is another unattainable goal. Now, if you figure it out and understand that you can do X, Y, and Z, your chances of actually sticking to it long-term are astronomically higher because you figured it out on your own. So back to the session. We had finished up. It went 
really well. She had some pretty big breakthroughs. And always after a session, I take some time to just download and think about it all. Is there an area or what area could I have improved as their coach? I take any notes for their next session and really just sit with it for a moment. And as I did, the oh my God, aha thoughts started to trickle and then flow in. All the different things I had learned about self-development and coaching at self-development and all of the different programs and certifications and classes, the things I had learned from experience, it all started coming together so beautifully and clearly in a bit of a new way. And I don't like to say the phrase life-changing too often because it is so overused, but I really just can't think of a truer phrase for it. In my studies in functional nutrition, it's all about how the body works with itself and how the body and brain communicate, how your brain processes different stimuli. But seemingly, we put a lot of time and effort and struggle into working against our brains. And what if we just took a part, a piece of that energy into working with our brains, using that to understand it logically? Imagine how different our results are bound to be. And this concept has been the cornerstone of my coaching ever since. So let's get into the fun part. Let's get to know a couple pieces of your brain, what they do, and how to work with them. And this might sound a little crazy, but stay with me here. If you can think of your brain and your mind as two slightly different pieces, it can really help moving forward. And this is what I mean. Clearly, our mind understands what's going on, what we see. It's very much aware. But you can think of your brain as basically the computer of your body that's just running no matter what. It doesn't really know or appreciate what's on the screen. It's just running. It has functions that it's set out to do and it will do regardless. And while your mind can differentiate if you are experiencing something or just thinking about it, your brain sometimes cannot, most of the time cannot. And I can give you an example. So you can think of a breakup, a really bad breakup. And if you sit there in those feelings and those thoughts, you're going to have the same visceral reactions and the same bodily response as if you were still in the process of going through that breakup, regardless of how long ago it was. And so while your mind is aware that you're just thinking about it, it's not happening, your brain is still executing and giving off the same type chemicals as it would were you still there. We're still getting the same stress response, the same hormone. Cortisol, our stress hormone, is just flowing like crazy. You can feel it in your shoulders, the knots in your stomach, all of it. Your brain is giving that same response. And you can do it in the opposite. Think of the most comfortable and warming feeling that you can think of. Maybe it's your current partner or a holiday at your grandma's house when you were a kid. Sit in that feeling long enough, we get the same bodily reactions. You will start to release the serotonin feel-good hormone. You will start to feel the relaxing throughout the body. And so the reality of it is the brain cannot understand and process if we're actually in that experience or not. And while this can be a disadvantage at times, 
we can also use it to our advantage. The way I typically explain it in my sessions is that as a society, we evolved faster than our brains could keep up with. And I know at first that sounds totally crazy. You're ready to turn this off. Who is this ridiculous woman? But if you turn to neuroscience and the study of the brain, it all makes so much sense. The reason being is that our brains evolved in such a way that we're meant to keep us alive and keep us safe. And once you really understand what it's doing, this is when we can start to change it. And again, I mean it, change it in a way that you can actually see on a brain scan. Simply put, our brains are basically made up of a lot of message networks called neuropathways that basically allow your brain to send a signal to the rest of your body and tell it what to do. This involves all the things that we do subconsciously, like breathe and digest your food, and it tells your liver to filter, but this is also how it processes thought and gives you the bodily response of the emotion that you're having. As we talked about earlier, if you are thinking hard enough and feeling the emotions of something, your brain does recognize this emotion and what happens when you have this emotion, so it gives you the same physical response. Now, the reason that it does this is because it's what it already knows. There is already a neural pathway that has been forged that this is what happens. This is the sequence of events. And most likely with a strong emotion or emotional response, that neural pathway is really strong. So if we are mindful of this and aware of this, when we sense this happening, you can redirect this thought and start to create a new pathway. And the more you practice the new pathway, the easier it becomes. A really simple example could be a fear of heights, right? That's really sensible and we can understand that the brain is going to send out different receptors of fear. You're going to feel it within your body. And the way that you move away from this fear is to prove your safety to yourself. It's to engage in something, either hiking or whatever you need to do to move past that fear. It's teaching you that there is a possibility and a potential for safety. Now, let's explain how this happens. The most important thing you have to know about the brain is we have what's called the reticular activating system. And you can think of this piece of the brain kind of like a filter for all the different things that are coming into your line of sight, all the different stimuli, right? Imagine walking down a busy street. There is no way that your brain would possibly be able to pick up on every single detail of everything happening and be able to function at the same time. It's just not possible. So what the reticular activating system does is basically allows you to be within your own head, not taking in every single piece, but it'll definitely alert you to anything that's out of the ordinary. Like if there's a car coming at you or a rabid animal coming towards you, it's going to pick up on that. And the way it decides what to pick up on is based on what you already know, based on those neural pathways that have already been created. It doesn't think the need to look at every single tree because we haven't had danger from the tree before. It doesn't notice every single color on the house because you don't need that information at the time. I think we're all following here. And it's really important to pick up that since it does this, it's also really good at convincing you of what you already know and hint, hint, what you think you know as well. Here's what I mean. 
We all know the new car phenomena, right? Say you're in the market for a yellow sports car that you feel you've never seen anywhere, and you're thinking about it, it's on your mind a lot, and guess what? Every time you're driving down the road, what do you see all over the place is that same sports car. Now, is that because all of your neighbors live in your head and knew that you were wanting this car and went and got it before you? No, of course not. But this is just the reticular activating system piece of your brain that's working. You're thinking about this car. It's going to notice this car. I'll go as far as to attribute it to what side of the bed did you wake up on this morning? We all know that saying too, right? This one is so easy to picture. Say you get out of bed in the morning and the first thing you do is you stub your toe on the way to the coffee machine and now you're upset because it hurts and you end up spilling coffee in your haste all over you. Now we're getting ready for work and your outfit just isn't working. We're so frustrated. You have to change three times, get into your car, you're running late, now you've hit the traffic. So on your way to work or you're just fuming in this traffic, getting more and more worked up. And great. Now you get to work and your boss is getting onto you for being late. Now you're going to be behind on this assignment and it goes and it goes and it goes. And without even realizing it, your brain, the reticular activating system is going to try to show you things that you already believe in order to keep you safe. So now after work, you've had a terrible day all day. Maybe you stop by the corner store to get something for the migraine you now have. And when you get there, you're waiting in line and there is just this person with this look on their face and they're looking right at you and you can't take it. That's the thing that sent you over the edge that day, that why is this jerk looking at me like that? But the reality may be that this person's just zoning out. It's the reticular activating system that is telling you, it's agreeing with you, it's proving your point that see, today is the worst day, look, even this jerk in the store. Now, all of that is fine and good. We understand that, that a bad mood will make a bad day worse, of course. But for the sake of this exercise and this conversation, let's go ahead and just compare it to the other person. Same exact story, but when they stubbed their toe that morning, they just had a different emotional response. They happen to laugh at themselves that morning. Oh my God, I cannot believe I'm so clumsy this early. Or maybe just realized they needed to go get their glasses, put them on, and didn't allow their emotional state to take over their physical state. Now they're fine getting their coffee. They're not stressed. We're just getting dressed so you don't hit the traffic. You're feeling like a good mood. So maybe we put on a happy song or your favorite song rather than just sitting there and yelling road rage at everyone passing by. So now you're not ragged on at work. You're clear headed, just had a lovely morning, got your project done. We can see the same thing unfold. It's the butterfly effect but your brain is behind it. And during this day, again, the reticular activating system is still going to come into play for you. It's still going to do its best to prove to you whatever you're thinking. So if you're going about your day thinking, man, I am just lucking out, all of my stars are aligning, guess what? You might see the same person in the corner store if you even go, because we probably don't have a migraine, but for the sense of the story in the example, you see them and your perception is completely different. That 
you are now under the assumption that they are looking at you because your outfit is stunning or because you just emit a beautiful light and aura and they like just being in the vicinity of you. Both people could be wrong, right? This person could be zoning out from their own day, but again, your brain's going to prove to you what it thinks it knows. And for the sake of time and simplicity, we'll keep it there for now. But there is one more piece of the brain that we do need to cover that's going to wrap all of this up and make it make so much sense for everyone, or at least more sense. And that is your amygdala. So we're already working with the knowledge that the brain's main function is to keep you alive and keep you safe. And the amygdala has a huge function in this because basically it's the piece of your brain that's responsible for actually recognizing a threat and giving you that fear response. It's a piece of your brain that's responsible for fight or flight or freeze. And at one point this was necessary. We had to be able to perceive new and different things that we couldn't explain as a threat because we didn't know what that encounter interaction would be. It's basically like your gut feeling when you go into a situation. But understanding that it's really just fearful of change in new situations because basically what you've done thus far you haven't died yet. So it's done its job. A plus. And while it thinks of the scary things as maybe a new territory or a new wild animal, this is the same thing in our lives now as maybe going to a new gym or making the new friends or doing the thing, taking the steps to get to the change that you really want in your life. So put these two together. Getting out of your comfort zone really does fight against your brain's own structure. Remember, it's already wanting to think one way, act one way, because that's the neuropathway that's already created. So if you're trying to do something new, you are in the physical process of creating that new neural pathway. Also, we've got our amygdala up against us because it does not want that change. It's scared that we're basically going to die if we do something different than we have thus far. And just as humans, as our own worst self-critics, you've probably got some negative self-talk going on there as well. That I can't do it. I'm scared to do it. What if I fail? How much is it going to hurt if I don't accomplish this and tie in the reticular activating system? It's now going to repeat back to you what you think about most and what you think about with most conviction, which sometimes is those unconscious or negative thoughts. And I know this sounds like a lot and it might feel a bit overwhelming, but I promise having this knowledge is going to make overcoming it so much easier. Being aware that your brain is going to work against you and change is just really hard is going to allow you to get in a new mindset that makes it easier. If you go in with the space, allowing for fears to come up, allowing your brain to really listen to that self-limiting talk or that self-judgment that you can't complete it, if you listen to it and you hear that, your brain will prove it again and again to you and it's going to go deeper into the hole. But knowing this, you can instead decide, wholeheartedly decide that you are overriding that process. And when it feels scary, good. I don't care. We're not going in that thought. When it feels uncomfortable or you have those thoughts that come in that, no, I don't want to get up and do the thing. Sleep sounds better. This is going to allow you to much more easily and purposefully create the new thought. It takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of mindfulness and practice, but but man, is it worth it. 
But all right, my loves, that's where I'll leave us today. I want to thank you so much for joining in on this conversation with me. And each week, every Monday, we're going to be posting a new episode going a little bit deeper into the conversation of what you can do to train your brain on purpose to really allow for the lifestyle that you want to live. Until next time, my loves, in the meantime, here's to your health and your happiness. Thank you.